This is the Sports Physio Ireland Education Podcast with your host, Joey Boland, your number one source for all things physiotherapy, training, and fitness. Find out more at www.sportsphysioireland.com. Hey, you guys, welcome along to the um, first Sports Physio Education Podcast. Um, we're delighted to have had Dr. Eamon Delahunt in um, a couple of days ago into Sports Physio Ireland, um, where he went over uh, chronic ankle stability, the latest research. We went over um, testing protocols, and we also went over the rehabilitation, the clinical session. With me is Thomas Stively. Hey, guys. Um, and what we're going to do is uh, Tom has written up an article that we're actually going to be putting up on our sports physio education closed group on Facebook so we're just going to kind of go over the main uh, learnings I think we've got about five learnings from um, from the seminar um, Eamon was he was in for about three three and a half hours but in fairness it could have been we could have stayed for six hours. We just got so much in um, and there's just so much information that uh, anybody that was there, we're going to try and review it here ourselves. And for anybody that wasn't there, we're going to give you the best bits uh, that you can apply to yourselves in your own practices or when you're working with teams. So, Yeah, so the first thing we kind of got to talk about is, I suppose, number one is understanding of the extent of kind of lateral ankle joint injury problems or chronic ankle injury problems in your sport. So I suppose everyone's working with different um, sports. So from Gaelic football, hurling, soccer, rugby, etc. So I suppose really, uh, I suppose it took away is you have to really understand what, how bad uh, or how many injuries involve the ankle joint in that sport you're involved with. So um, so, some interesting kind of stats in terms of uh, lower limb injuries and the, the extent of ankle joint injuries in some of the those sports. So with Gaelic football, uh, 11% of injuries sustained in match play and training are ankle joint injuries. Uh, a bit lower in hurling at about 9%. Then obviously in soccer where it's mainly a lower limb sport involving kicking, change direction, slightly higher at 14%. And then at kind of the elite level rugby, so he brought he showed us a study that looked at some of the injury data of the last World Cup, um, and showed about slight difference between forwards and backs, so about five point six percent to six point eight percent, um, of lower limb injuries were ankles, um, especially with rugby, they're slightly different. You suppose you get more um syndesmosis injuries in that kind of population so i suppose the first thing uh, we need to be aware of is especially if you're working with teams is like how many of lateral ankle joint injury problems are you going to see in the future um, and what kind of i suppose injury reduction kind of techniques or um, models can you use to actually help reduce uh, those injury rates yeah i was seeing um the difference between soccer was 14 percent of injuries and hurling was nine so i suppose you're thinking 
uh, hurling obviously you don't really use your ankles that much um, in terms of like kicking well, yeah. the, you know the odd time you might kick the slitter or, or be in a rook and trying yeah. to kick the ball up, but mainly non-contact it's mainly non-contact soccer would be as you were saying and we'll go on to this in a second it's more the the tackle based um, and the forced uh, inversion so if you're going to kick a ball with your right foot generally we've seen a couple of clips uh, Eamon showed us a couple of clips of uh, a defender actually coming in and missing the kick kicking leg and actually putting a bit of pressure on the standing leg and then forcing it to come into that inversion so the more contact um, there's obviously non-contact injuries as yeah. well um, yeah it's the second thing it's going to lead on to that is that um the main thing I suppose they looked at some soccer injuries was uh, through video analysis and a few studies is the difference in contact and non-contact um, injury types. So there's main there's two main contact mechanisms. So players player contact would impact by an opponent on the medial aspect of the leg, and uh, just before or after they strike. So when that player is kind of running with the ball, the uh, opposition player is coming and hitting their kind of lower tibia on the medial side, forcing an inversion injury. Uh, and the second kind of contact injury they, they kind of seen in those studies is a forced plant flexion. So as the, the player is about to strike the ball, so an opponent comes in and they kind of go into that hyper plantar flexion. So there, it's really important, I suppose, to distinguish when you're doing your subjective. So when that patient comes into you, um, or even when you're on the sideline is, do you, have you seen the mechanism of injury or can you get them to really kind of give you a good kind of detailed account of what happened because it's going to really kind of uh, lead you down in terms of your objective uh, assessment and kind of narrowing what you your think is going to um, be injured or damaged and uh, I suppose make that objective assessment a bit shorter. Yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, GA matches are recorded now, even yeah. from league to challenge yeah, matches. Awesome. I know in in the FINA we record all our hurling, all our football matches. Um, generally, if it's any sort of level in soccer, there's going yeah. to be videoed. Um, uh, training maybe not so much, but uh, that's really really good learning to just yeah. see exactly the mechanism of injury. Yeah, definitely. Like with training, always get person to use their opposite leg to kind of show exactly the um injury mechanism because especially with ankles they seem most people seem to kind of be able to give you a good detailed uh, uh account of it the the force of which just on that like i always find that i always treat tr- really try and go into specific so like how fast were you going when this happened and how yeah. much load went through you obviously they don't really understand a lot of the yeah. patients so i'm just like were you kind of tipping along into a tackle and you just kind of tweaked it yeah. or were you going balls out and yeah. you're going flat out for a ball and somebody came and it was serious you know yeah. a lot of load and a lot of force because then you're thinking you know what's the how much damage like to the joint you're talking chondral defects you're talking syndesmosis you're talking all all sorts of um all sorts of levels of ankle injury so that's something that I and obviously then the the exactly describe um what was it like yeah uh, two three days after a lot of my friends and stuff that text me when they get an ankle injury i always get them to send me a picture send me a video of it Mm. you know if they say look joe i need an appointment after going with my ankle can i see send me a picture of your ankle yeah Uh, generally those people who are who are contacting you um after an ankle injury it's going to be probably and higher level injuries because Generally, people just kind of yeah. see ankle injuries as like leave a few days Can and, you down and, and you, you'd be grand. So, generally, when you see them in the clinic, they, they tend to be on uh, the uh, upper levels in terms of injury extension. The most frustrating thing on that point is uh, 
when they come in and they've gone over their ankle a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> and they've gone back and played two games. And yeah. It's just it's a mess. Yeah, and then they're, they're coming in more from the performance side of things. Where yeah. They're just, they know they're not pushing off that foot. Yeah. They just feel unstable or just no confidence in it. And then you're kind of, yeah, you're starting from scratch again. Huge point that Eamon made, and maybe we're going to go into this now, but uh, we were jumping ahead. But like the study that says three days average return to play for yeah. a for an inversion and what was it seven days for no it was, it was three days after the first yeah. um the first time ankle sprainer mm-hmm. so they looked at it in an american uh college setting mm-hmm. um so i suppose i suppose there's a few points is that they're under a bit more pressure maybe than your average i suppose uh population that you might mm-hmm. study but what was really interesting was that after a recurrent sprain the average me or the median time to return to play was one day um, I suppose like you could interpret that like a few ways but I suppose this kind of tells you that most people don't really take ankle joint injuries yeah. too serious initially and but they can cause a lot of long-term issues you know so you can see with uh, some of Eamon's work and Calvin Doherty's work is that even up to a year after um, a first time ankle sprain about 40% of people still have symptoms so yeah. it's you know it's a good idea to to make people aware that these things need to be addressed as soon as you can and um, i even i even take it like before this before this talk you know an ankle injury even in the back of your head subconsciously from playing and stuff you, you know you you don't take it as seriously as like an mcl or something you know what i mean yeah. um it from a physio point of view not not to talk of a player point of view yeah but um, just the main point that I took from Eamon was it's it's not just a peripheral joint injury. Like, yeah. there's so much going on there, and we're going to go into that now. Yeah, and it's, yeah, I had a bad ankle injury last year. I took two weeks off. Probably should have taken maybe four to six weeks off. Um, and subsequently, I got um, the opposite knee. got overloaded the patellar femoral joint, which uh, kind of fat pad irritation, etc., etc. Um and that was at me for about two months, just because pure load management, just keen to get back into playing as well. Mm. Um, stupidity on my part, but if someone probably sat me down and just kind of, you know, it's things you know, but you, you, you don't uh, self-treat that way. So I'm conscious of time, so we're, we're just nine and a half. I like to keep these things to 15 minutes. So what we're going to do now is we're going to belt on. So the specifics will be... Your classic case is your uh, inversion, plantar flexion, and kind of external or internal external rotation. Internal rotation, internal rotation of joint. the ankle joint. Now, what you're going to tear there is obviously your ATFL. Huge thing that we noticed is a lot of people are miss uh, that don't really know where the ATFL goes to and from on an ankle joint. They think that it kind of goes laterally down the outside yeah. of the foot, whereas we can see it's more going medially across yeah. at like a forty-five degree angle yeah. type thing. Um. If that tears, or if the CFL tears, that's the more straight lateral down from the fib head down to the calcaneus. Yeah. Um, you generally get uh, anterior translation or rotation of the talus. Yeah. Because uh, uh, also you get onto your translation of the fibula. Mm-hmm. And um, if you do tear the CFL, yeah. you get uh, tra- uh, you get internal rotation, you get inversion of the calcaneus. Calcaneus, yeah. uh, underneath. So if you can visualize that, get your anatomy books out, guys, and have a look, because that's massive for. Um, what happens is if your talus glides slightly forward and internally rotates, your fib head slightly glides forward, and if you've got a bit of calca- calcaneus involvement, your dorsiflexion generally is reduced, and that's why like eight out of ten ankles we see comes in 
oh, when did you do your ankle a month ago? You've got reduced dorsiflexion. Yeah. So, like, it's it massive. It also gives them into that position, like, for a recurrent injury is that if you are that tailless into an internal rotation mm-hmm. position, when you're foot striking, you're already giving yourself, I suppose, an increased chance of kind of recurring that injury. So, mm-hmm. I suppose the idea of... Um, Improving your balance, improving your, your how your foot strikes the ground, etc., etc. It's really important when you're going through the rehab stage. Is mm-hmm. trying to uh, get that person to really drive through the front lever, the mm-hmm. big toe, etc. I find it, it a little a little good learning point that I kind of like to use is if you're say a physio and you're you're trying to feel what the client is like. Say, say you're doing a single leg deadlift and a single leg squat or whatever or one legged row. Um, when you're rehabbing somebody with decreased ankle dorsiflexion. So go to a bench and do a normal single leg deadlift on your good leg and then restrict your knee from moving forward and actually reduce your dorsiflexion by, let's say, an inch mm-hmm. and notice the difference yeah. it has on your balance, your ability to activate your hamstrings, your glutes, your back, your everything is yeah. altered. So you can imagine that times like times three, four months for somebody who doesn't yeah. regain their ankle dorsiflexion. Um. I suppose we just move on as well. It's just the, the other thing I'd be saying. It's, uh, I suppose the big thing we emphasize or through the literature over the last years and from listening to him and then see, looking at his work is that it's basically it's not just a structural injury. So while there is um, structural problems from the actual tearing of the ligaments and also maybe like a bony edema, maybe osteochondral issues, there's also um, changes within the central nervous system. So there's a change in the way your foot strikes the ground during your gait cycle. There's a change when you're doing your landing patterns um, and your proprioception is decreased as well and your postural control. So these are things that you really, really need to assess um, during your initial assessment and also make sure that you're using outcomes as you go along to monitor those changes. So like everyone, I suppose, in your you know private practice um, uh, is under, I suppose, time pressure as well. So... I suppose getting in structures in place whereby you know if an ankle injury comes in that you have three or four um, main, main objective measures that have been validated or reliable and there's good data to kind of back up what you're doing because you can end up down the road whereby you're rehabbing someone, you think you're doing a great job, you see them getting better through your own eyes but your own eyes can lie so mm. having some kind of uh, objective data to back up I suppose how you're progressing through a rehab program or even return play is really, really important. So we are kind of using in sports physio Ireland at the moment, and we'll go into this later on. Um, we're going we use kind of knee to wall. Yeah, that. Really important. We go star excursion balance test, left yeah. versus right. We generally go calf raises to fatigue. See, can you do twenty five and the let's say twenty five left, twenty five right? Yeah. See, is there a difference and see what yeah, the consistency is? Strength endurance, it's fine. It is what it is. What You know, you can start loading people up at bars and stuff. The other thing we also have is a jump mat just to re- measure reaction drop jump time on yeah. the ground. Uh, but again, sometimes you can't use that for maybe 10 days. or Yeah, it's, 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 it'd be good to measure your return to play, just especially giving someone feedback that like your, your, uh, like your fast plyometric kind of work that... Are you actually getting really quick contact time or is it slow and getting some visual data to back up maybe what you're seeing and um, can just get someone to kind of really buy into your rehab program long term? Um, interesting stuff. Something that I was really interested in was and um, from, from the seminar, big takeaway point was them non-contact um, ankle um, ankle sprains 
what's the cause of it. Eamon had a really, really good theory, hysteresis, kind of the, the, the elongation of a tendon or of a structure or of um, tissues over a long period of time because it's being put under stress. So he took, for example, a tennis player who's consistently going lateral, 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 lateral. Mm-hmm. So it's that lengthening effect of the um, of the lateral structures, your tendons, your ATFL ligament, your CFL ligament. So couple that with a history of an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. So we talked about central pressure, gait, postural control and proprioception. So there's obviously a decrease in their ability to know where their foot is in space and time. Yeah. Couple that with a bit of lengthening on the lateral side of the ankle joint. Couple that with fatigue during a match. Yeah. Um, couple that with also we discussed kind of your, um, your hammock effect. Let's say... You've got your medial aspect, your tip post and your medial gastroc, and you've got your lateral aspect, which is your perineals. Um, we often see, and there is evidence to show, I can't think of it off the top of my head, that people go over their ankle when they're mid-landing and they're kind of more in an inverted position. Mm-hmm. So you you put all them together, decreased proprioception, uh, altered um, altered. Um, Altered uh, kind of gait pattern and a bit, and you're, you're landing in a slightly inverted foot, put fatigue in there, and then we've seen a, cla- a really, really good clip of was it Nadal or Djokovic? Djokovic, Djokovic where he's just going, he's hitting a forehand off his right foot, forehand off his right foot, forehand off his right foot, shuffling, 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 and then boom, one of them he just goes off on his ankle. Yeah. It's just, it's very, very hard to explain, but there's a couple of theories out there, and um, just from a rehab point of view, mm-hmm what way i suppose we're going to go into now what our kind of thought process would be for an ankle what do we do in sports physio let's say it would take six weeks yeah so so like the initial thing is during the acute phase is i suppose you, you have a few things maybe to go through your phase one criteria it would be uh increasing your range of motion yeah. really, really important in terms of long-term issues and uh, your dorsiflexion is really important with knee injuries etc so getting that out of the way and restoring that through your mobilizations and um, to self-mobilization so knee to wall kind of work band work and uh, maybe distraction maybe even yeah. soft tissue work we did maitlands and mulligans yeah. in the thing it worked yeah. pretty well uh the other thing then you'd want to do is work sorry on, uh, uh, maitlands and mulligans he did uh two two minutes yeah one minute rest two yeah. minutes one minute that's all yeah there's no point in flogging it to death for 10 minutes yes yeah. it's good um the other thing was working on an ankle strategy initially so what some of the research showing that after an ankle injury that you develop more of a hip uh, control strategy so restoring that ankle strategy because your center pressure will be very narrow um, and we want to make that nice and flexible to your foot uh, and the third thing would be just to normalize gait as soon as you can okay um, so you're just trying to go through that phase before you get into too much kind of loading of the joint because you also have to take into account that there may be some sort of osteocondyl mm. issues um, that you might re- mightn't realize until you're a few weeks down the lines yeah. um, when that kind of ankle we've all had which hasn't really responded that well or it's kind of that niggly um deep kind of pain um of uh, kind of the front of the ankle joint. during that period um you know pain swelling management is massive so yeah. what type of job are they are they walking are they physio where they're on their feet all day or they're sitting at a desk mm. um so we generally get them to wear a boot 
we get them to ice it a couple of times a day in an, mm. in an ice bucket and we elevate it and get some deep tissue massage just to kind of um, relieve out the, the swelling mm. so in a kind of a line of the back or whatever for the first you know two three yeah. there's no reason why you can't have a, your foot in a boot and take it out for your rehab yeah. at week four yeah and because there's bilateral deficits as well which should be shown so you can it might be a good idea just to even start rehab on the opposite leg or definitely doing some sort of I suppose uh, exercise is number one to keep up your fitness and number two is it might speed up the process of the uh, injured limb. The injured limb as well on that if they are in a boot at three weeks and you're doing specific ankle specific balance, dorsiflexion stuff, regaining um, the the nice like the central pressure as we said so that we start to open up the ankle and the ankle kind of has um it creates a kind of protective mechanism and so if you're balancing on a wobble board or wobble cushion you see the ankle joint is stiff as yeah. you're saying it it, it, it won't um, operate fluidly so regaining that but also i would suggest doing some quad work doing some hamstring work doing some glute work yeah, doing some glute mead work up that chain get get your calves as active as possible because they're going to um start to lose muscle mass and you know at the end of the day come four weeks to six weeks the player is going to be under pressure yeah. to get back playing so you throw a a a, 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 a patient back out mm. without having the hamstrings the glutes and, and everything else built up you see what can happen the opposite knee gets uh, overloaded or you pull that hamstring yeah. or there's there's postural issues as well yeah perfect um so yeah like as you you go through the phases you're kind of trying to i suppose make the the, the ankle smarter i'd probably desperate yeah. to describe it as um lo- load management is sometimes an issue so try not to push too much um early kind of stage jumping or landing as well if i'm just irritated yeah. so working on very marching skipping lateral um kind of multi-directional work as soon as you can L- like to do some sort of single leg deadlift work some side lunge work so you're getting that foot really kind of um clinging to the ground and being nice and smart and getting that uh, drive off the, the proper uh, positions of the foot as well is really important yeah um, uh, a learning point as well from chatting to Eamon would be you know respect the injury you know if it's two weeks two weeks gone and you're still having regained dorsiflexion and still a little bit swollen don't be panicking and going on to jump landing and running and stuff like that you know it is what it is you know like we have to we have to be the person who makes the decision that um, that you know we have to protect that ankle joint as best we can and you know just because it's two weeks and it's not ready for jumping and landing you don't force it you know yeah it's that phase criteria I think is really important is that like you have to pass through one phase to get to another so yeah, exactly. it's not time dependent which is really important yeah. um, so you can actually go through it as quick as you as the person can go um, based on their symptoms and based on their testing um, but if they can't really gain mobility if their uh, ankle strategy is really poor you're not pushing it on at three weeks even mm-hmm. to your phase two yeah I'd love to see now what I, I'd probably if, you know kind of end stage rehab if you can you know do decent squat 50 kg if you can do a single leg deadlift with a barbell with two tens on it and um, good dorsiflexion good hip knee and um, trunk angle building the hamstrings, building yeah. the glute. If you can go into that, then you can go into like side lunges or rotational chops yeah. for your ankles so that you're getting that lateral step pattern. Some ladder work you can introduce then. You can introduce some landing mechanics first. We always probably introduce drop stuff first. Yeah. Then you do drop up yeah. and then you do a bit of bit of more plyometric stuff. 
Um, and um, that's really it. And then you have to go game specific stuff. Yeah. Like, um, we'll touch quickly on, sorry, before we go, um, the taping. Yeah. So if you have a chronic ankle um, and the ligament is gone and you've got a CFL and ETFL gone, it's quite loose. Yeah. Uh, Eamon was suggesting Dandre brace. Yeah, definitely some sort of bracing system. Um, the comfort's the biggest thing with those. Like so, yeah. I suppose it's up to every patient or every, I suppose, um, athlete is like how they feel comfortable. So um, it might be an idea. If they have someone to tape it, to tape it away, it yeah. might be better, you know. But yeah. it's more about comfort as well because yeah. if yeah, they don't like us, they won't wear it. Guys, thanks a million. Look, this, we could be here for another 20 minutes, but um, I'm keen. I like to keep these things short because I know people, we've actually gone over 23 minutes there. Um, looking forward to our next uh, seminar will be uh, which will be Fergal Karen. he's going to be doing uh, assessment and rehabilitation of the sports hamstring injury he's a Leinster and Dundalk uh, physio so really really looking forward to that uh, just go onto the website if you want to get any tickets to come on in yeah. uh, I think we're going to be recording this one as well so yeah, uh, we'll be sending be really it to live video yeah, it's going to be pretty practical as well so he, he, we've uh, asked him to kind of keep it fairly um, practical he's going to do a few case studies looking at kind of Return to play stuff from acute to uh, uh, to end stage, and also looking at kind of your running problem considerations. So should be good. All right, guys. Thanks.